Well, welcome back to the, you know, the Limehouse podcast. Um, well done for finding it. If, it, if indeed it's the first time, uh, I don't know, you, you've, you've come across it. Well done. You did the right thing, personally speaking. I mean, there are some that might say it was the worst decision of your life. I know, this could be the turning point, frankly. This could be the moment that is that led to your ultimate downfall. So, um, in advance of that, I would like to apologise. Uh, uh, this week, we've got uh, Laura Jean Marsh. Sorry, that's not three separate people. It's Laura Jean Marsh. She's uh, uh, the director, uh, writer, and actor in Giddy Stratospheres, which is a new film available on... Amazon Prime and iTunes and other platforms, I'm sure. Uh, it's a, a, Essentially, it's not about the 2000s, noughties, mid-noughties music scene, but it is set within it. And it is a fantastic story about, um, I guess what you'd call it is a, a loving friendship. A loving friendship and uh, someone's own personal journey. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny, it's very funny, really sharp, uh, sharp writing. And um, I think it's got personally, because it's got a, you know, it's written by a woman, it's got that liberated feel to it, you know? So it's not, it's not held back by any misogynistic bullshit. Or even a woke agenda. I don't know what even a woke agenda means, but you know it can sometimes come come across with with male writing. But I think Laura is just a fantastic writer, and this is her first film. It's an amazing accomplishment. I, I'll you know I say it quite a lot um, in the interview with her, but personally, you know I've I've done work, uh, creative work. You know that if you if you've listened to the podcast for you know, in its entirety. God, how many years that is that now? I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, I've, I've done a short film and in the process of trying to get a feature film edited. And it, and it is a very, very hard work. And, and she really has scaled a mountain to do this. Bearing in mind the, the, the budget wasn't exactly astronomical and she had to use every single resource at, at her availability. So it's really, it's an astonishing achievement. And, and Giddy Stratospheres is a great, it's a great film. And uh, the, the soundtrack is phenomenal. If you're anything like me, and you're, you were a bit of a, a, an indie freak back in the day, part of the early, early, early noughties, the new rock and roll revolution, as it was called, with like, you know, the white stripes, the strokes, libertines, that kind of thing, then you, this will really hit home, you know. And if you're a Cribs fan, oh boy, there's one particular Cribs song in this film that'll knock your socks off. And it's quite early, so it's good. It's like sets a sets a really good tone, and uh, performances in this film are really they're really high caliber. Uh, the acting is a, a really high caliber. You'll really enjoy it, and I suggest you go and watch it and support new and upcoming talent, both on screen, behind the screen. The editing's phenomenal. Uh, the direction obviously is 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 right up there, and I really really enjoyed the writing. Plus, it's um, a snip at one hour and seven minutes, so it's like it's no time. It's great, and and you get so much from it. But anyway, look, enough of my yakking. Um, it's time to get on with the interview. Uh, it, it, similar conversations worth checking out that are like sister episodes to this one would be uh, my chat with uh, 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 Alison, Alison Bell from The Letdown. Uh, that's on Netflix. Uh, she's a writer and that's a great chat if you're into that kind of thing, uh, which you should be. Uh, yeah, that, that's a really good episode. So go and, go and listen to that one. Go on, go listen to it. Go, go, go. But um, yeah, yesterday I spent most of the day uh, celebrating Pearl's third birthday. She's three now, which is crazy i think after now literally after the third birthday maybe the fourth or maybe the i think past five i think then it just becomes really weird because they just really do become small little people and it's really scary because you see that in your friends kids you see them all the time you know running rounds you see them running around going crazy 
doing their thing and you're like the words that come out of their mouth it, Pearl came out with ginormous the other day and, and enormous it, it scared the hell out of me like, where, where is she learning these words how is she able to vocalise them wow crazy um, so yeah that was yesterday we, we celebrated her third and it's pretty exciting it, it, the journey is really getting underway now and um, what, what else can I say about that day other than uh, turning on Starship and uh, we built this city uh, you know we built this city on rock and roll we built this city, flipping heck, what a tune. Anyway, I'm really excited because this week, pivoting slightly, okay, this week I'm talking to Peter Hayes, frontman from the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. In keeping with this sort of mid-noughties, early-noughties kind of vibe that uh, we're about to delve into in a very big way, I'd love to talk to you actually one day about some of my adventures in the bands that I've been in. Because they're, they're a bit odd and fun. But anyway, look after yourself. I hope you've been well. Thank you so much to all you Limehouse podcast uh, wall of famers. Um, that, what that is, is if you tweet the show, you, uh, you get a, a shout out. Well, not a shout out. You just become part of the Limehouse podcast wall of fame. Ed, Nick, Rob, Grant. You know, the list goes on. But um, tweet me and find out at Limehouse Pod. Take care. Bye bye. Go and watch Giddy Stratospheres. Available on iTunes and Amazon Prime now. Yeah, mate, let's, uh, I don't know where to start with the film because um, so much of it, I'll, I'll say this for now, like my experience of 2000, the early noughties to about 2012, definitely wasn't drug fueled, definitely not, it was more, my, my, my poison was, um, was, was booze, right, yeah, I mean, definitely, but um, mm. the, the hard hitting element of this, of this film uh, is for me anyway, uh, you know, not, not that I had like many expectations or anything, but was the, the drug mm. taking the uh, the abuse level mm. was quite was like up to ten, like so was that your experience mm. of, the, of the of 07, that era? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I know that, that that wasn't everybody's experience um, within that scene. So uh, you know, I'm I'm just showing the darker side of it from my point of view. Uh, you know, and, and in Giddy Stratospheres, I'm kind of highlighting the end of the end of a scene. And, you know, again, not everybody's experience, but the darker sides of, of, of something coming to an end and the consequences. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I never got into really hard drugs, but I definitely burnt the candle at both ends constantly. Um, yeah. And I, you know, it was it was one of those things where I was away from home from the age of 17 and and really overexcited and like felt like I was um you know all these different bands and DJs and creatives you know it felt like we were a family and there wasn't really anywhere near my family so I, I just yeah. got car carried away and I think when you're kind of you know if you've got any problems at all you, you push them back and you don't want to go to sleep so yeah, mm, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely did, did you know, uh, lots of lots of drugs um, and stayed awake for days and end sometimes. But I never went for the hard stuff. But there was a lot of hedonism for sure. But I'm, I'm, I know that that wasn't everyone's experience. Um, no, but yeah, but for me it was. Yeah. I, I can see some people going like, that's not what it was like. That's not, I can see some real like hardliners. Oh being like yeah, that. but but, but but I'm like yeah, but. Those are people that don't understand films. Uh, also, <laughs> I think your, it's, your it's own important. Message, isn't it? It, exactly, and it's important that you know. I, I knew that people were going to a lot. You know, there was going to be the element of people who everyone feels like they own. A lot of people feel like they own that scene um, and that time, and that's fine. But you know, I was writing a, a film about 
about two friends and their experience within it. So the film isn't about the indie music scene, although it's set in it. It's about two mates and their experience yeah. and their friends. So it's, it's yeah. yeah. But there's always going to be people going like, that's not what it's like, that's bullshit. But I was prepared for that and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah, it was weird to see the Macbeth. I've, I've, I've only actually went there maybe three or four times in my in that 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 early noughties era. Um, mm. I went to see a band called Five the Five O'clock Heroes there a couple of times, and they were. I remember them. Oh, do you really? Do you remember them? That's fucking yeah, great. I do. Yeah, ah, I do brilliant. remember them. Yeah, so I was cool. definitely around like, for all those all those bands. Mm. God, that they they, they were. Um, I, I bumped into I didn't I was alone just marooned in New York a band I went with um they 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 had enough money to go to Niagara Falls for a couple of days so that's what they did I had absolutely nothing so I stayed yeah. in New York and and literally lived off like $30 went to the lit bar lit club or whatever the hell um mm. and and they were there and it, then they came i uh, bonded the whole night came they came back to london struck up a mm. relationship with them my god they, they were they were very they weren't exactly like cribs or the strokes or anything like that they were mm. kind of more i don't know like the police or what have you but i just remember like back then it mm. was just it was about attitude um mm. Well, there was all, and, what was so exciting was there were so many different flavors of of what was going on. You could get a little bit of everything. It was so, we, yeah. we were spoiled, spoiled for choice. Oh, oh mate, I know, and I don't want to sound like a old fart, <laughs> but I don't. Don't think worry, it's I am as good. As well. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as it is, as it used to be. Sorry, I know oh, that I mean, sounds. I mean, bit... I think I think it's it's one of those things that you like. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's been different because there hasn't been any live music, but. I kind of hope, I mean, there is some really great music out there. It's not quite the same vibe, um, you know, that there's lots of exciting new stuff going on, but it's, yeah, I would, I, I am, I do love live music and um, I like yeah. seeing people play, it, play instruments and go mental, you know, that's my thing. I like hearing really loud guitars, that's what feeds me. So um, yeah. it'd be nice if there was some really cool, not violent, yeah, violent, why not? Violent. <laughs> Some really angry, <laughs> kind of cool, cool young, young like bands, like yeah. kids getting together and going a bit crazy after this whole being, being caged up for, <laughs> for this whole yeah. experience forming. You know, yeah. you never know what's going to kind of spew out of it. Hopefully, we'll get some cool new blood. <laughs> well, hopefully, mate. I mean, mm. I think that's what just, just to pivot back to your the, the film a bit because I think that's what you do quite well. Like you've definitely got that thing that you wanted to get across the 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 live aspect which can be really tricky mm. to film uh and 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 different and, and and very tricky to kind of bring that into into people's living rooms uh mm. and that energy right because it's it's mm -hmm. so often it's done like i don't know how it's done but it's done, done bad it's getting better now oh my god like you know there are the films like good vibrations or what have you that do a really good job at that but mm. um what what was your in was that one of your starting points? Was it your inspiration for the movie based around like, I want well, the, the actually, like cornerstones what, of it? It's really nice of you. I mean, it's nice to hear that you, you felt like we put that across well. I think that actually one of my one things that I would have liked to have changed was uh, the live set, the, the live scenes only because we, because we shot, shot during the pandemic, we couldn't have squidged in humans, you know, so one of the things we had to try yeah. we had to try and sort of do really careful camera sort of uh angles where you could see people kind of bunched together and we tried to, we basically did everything we possibly could to make it look like there were people squished in a crowd because as you know yeah. as well as i do that's what it was like you know you was all about lots of people all pushed Filth. together all shouting at the stage phil and um so yeah. we we tried our best and i'm really you know i am proud of of those scenes but if I was shooting it in a non sort of COVID galaxy, I would have had like <laughs> a few hundred people all squished together and sweating on each other and stuff. So yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to filming some of my next projects which were also music related, being able to squish people mm. together and it be safe and, and it feel, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that. It was, it was very important to me that I, I, um, I made it, you know, I created something that felt 
authentic to what my experience was. And I still mm. feel like that, I, I think we did that. So I'm proud of that, but you know, I'm a perfectionist. So it would have been nice to have a couple hundred extra people in this scene. But yeah, I'm glad we pulled it off. You've you got it over the line. Um, I, I think, uh, well, so obviously people people won't know, but I, I, I sent a, um, a message to Laura um, with a, vid- a video of my um, short film. So when I saw this film, I was like um, deep, deeply like um, proud of what you'd done, having never met you, uh, because I know I know what it takes, mate, and it's and it's not fucking easy. Mm. And people just go, "Oh, well, you just you just made a movie." I mean, what what's yeah. Big deal, big deal, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, but mm. you haven't got that because obviously the, the amount of people that you worked with to get this, so you're all going to, you know, there's a bigger family. Uh, but there are mm. definitely people out there who would, would make films with, with literally nothing and their friends mm. would ignore them. So, yeah. essentially, what I'm saying is great job. Oh, mate, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. It does, it does make it, you know, it, it's, it's been, um, I am really proud of it. It's it's it's, a, it's an emotionally draining process because the film means so much to me and there are elements of it which are very close to the bone. Uh, and also there's, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot to put something out there. And, and I, I, if I'm absolutely honest, I didn't think it would get this far. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I thought we would probably go on YouTube or something. And the fact that it's got distribution all over the world, I'm just like, bloody hell, how do I do, how do I bloody do this? Um, and, you know, I definitely have my, my, my team, team to thank for that. So whenever somebody like you says I really dig it and I'm really you know proud of you regardless of knowing me or not like things like that actually making it all <laughs> really like I can cope a little bit better because uh, I shouldn't complain but it is it is a lot you know and um I I, I still can't believe it's being released all over the world yeah. <laughs> it's bad on so, the I mean, indie scene you know no 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 de- no it's, it's it's amazing hopefully it's going to lead to to more movies about that era because there aren't that many if if any I don't know there aren't any, any. No, they're prob- yeah. Right, no. it, it, it blows my mind that there aren't. I don't know why that is. Maybe because it would cost someone a fucking trillion dollars in in music rights, which is one of my questions. I, I think would be how in the fuck did you get so many incredible bands and songs on onto this soundtrack? Because it is literally like a yeah. playlist I, I would have had on back in the day. Yeah, well, we we really were on a shoestring budget, and um, you know, tiny tiny budget. I mean, it shocked people when we told them what our budget was. Um, so what, what I did seven or eight thousand? <laughs> not seven or eight thousand, but but very very low for a feature film. Um, and wow, we didn't okay. really re- we didn't really realise how much sort of stuff you had to pay for um, down the line. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you know we we me and my can't my we just producer, put it on YouTube? <laughs> well, I, I do, you know what I I obviously when I wrote it and I was putting it together I had this sort of dream of it being distributed properly and getting out there properly but you know I think I've I've had so many failed uh creative exploits that you just sort of decide that that's probably not going to happen but with this I I was I really believed in it so uh and I kind of saw I could see very clearly how I wanted it to play out so to, to go back to your question when I was writing uh, I was listening to a lot of music from the time that really resonated with me, but I'm very lucky because I knew a lot of those artists at the time. So I was a club promoter and I was in a, a little indie band myself and I knew a lot of people like from those art- artists, not all of them. Like I didn't know uh, La Tigra or <laughs> Franz Ferdinand, uh, yeah. although I'd, I'd met them, they weren't really mates or anything, but most of the other guys, um, were friends or, or or part of the scene, so I I reapproached everybody, um, and if they knew, like uh, some of my closer friends would know people people from one of the other bands, and the word spread, and I just basically said, really want to use your tunes for my film. This is what it's about. Synopsis, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, and uh, and people were just really keen. And then what what happened was I then had to uh, get. Uh, a music supervisor in to help me do the business side of the stuff because I had no idea how to do licensing. Like, I just right. thought I could ask my mates, you know, go like have a word with Art Brute and say, Can I use your tune? And they'll go, Yeah, then you've got it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Record companies and publishing people and stuff, and, and that it had to be super, no matter whether your friends want you to use their music or not, you've got to do all this paperwork. Yeah. Um, and there's 
money involved uh, who I owe so much to called Phil Canning who works for Universal and he was a he's an indie kid as well like you and I you know he's a geeky geeky little indie boy uh, and me and him <laughs> he just said I'm going to do this for you for free I'm going to help I'm going to help you do all your your licensing Jesus. so he oh he went to all the he went to all the business guys in the different companies and said look this girl's got no money her film's really low budget but it's going to be great and these bands want to be on it uh so if you're back you know like so i think it was a knock-on effect you know it was like every, everyone wanted to support the cause uh they liked the idea they liked the idea of supporting me as a new filmmaker and yeah so much and they inspired the, the film so much they just yeah just just um, wanted to help me out and they, you know they're all artists at the end of the day they're oh artists God. and uh yeah. yeah so it just worked out but but if, if i had a massive budget i'm sure that they would have wanted more money but i didn't <laughs> so yeah it was yeah. either yes or no and i was lucky enough that they said yes i did have one heartbreak though um i wrote a letter i've lost you mate Sorry, yeah, I've had to, I've had to kill my video because my you. internet my internet keeps dropping out, so I've had to kill my video. Ah, uh, no worries, no worries. Yeah, I had one um, I had one heartbreak with the yeah yeah yeahs. So um, oh. I wrote I wrote a particular scene, the really dramatic scene when I turn up to back at the Macbeth. I won't I won't give any spoilers, but uh, that was going to be maps by the AAS oh, and I oh. wrote like an emotional le letter. I wrote an emotional, yeah. ridiculous letter to um, to Karen O and the band, sort of begging them to let me use their song because I wrote that scene <laughs> to that song. And um, they have never licensed that, licensed that song to anyone. It's super, super precious to them. Um, but there was, a, there was a moment where we thought we'd got it and then it just slipped through our fingers. So that was a bit of a heartbreak. But apart from that, I got all the other tunes I wanted. So I was thrilled. <laughs> oh man that's oh that yeah but i mean god when you, you got the cribs you know that was for me that was like a really good marker for the beginning of the film and um i, I mm. yeah i mean that that for me sets a really good tone you know like it's it, 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 a soundtrack especially <laughs> with a film like this you, you yeah. could definitely get away with not having something and you could have but you'd have probably had to get a, a you know you would have had to mm. have contacted a songwriter God knows how that much how that much would have cost, you know, and, and what have you to to and to emulate that sound as well. You would have mm. maybe got in got in trouble with licensing. But it's um, geez, it, it's such a feat. It must have been totally amazing to have these songs and work to be working with them as well. What mm. what was that like? Going, oh my God, these guys, they're my heroes, and I'm working with these. They're, they're in my they're in my film. Um, yeah, well, amazing, you know. Um amazing i mean i think I, I i couldn't have imagined those scenes without those songs so uh i don't think i would have wanted to make the film if i hadn't thought that i could somehow pull off getting hold of them and using them for those scenes so it wouldn't have been as authentic to the story if i hadn't have had them um all the so yeah it felt amazing i mean it was just integral really how, how can i make a film set in that time knowing that that was my inspiration writing it and not you and yeah. not get those songs but i was yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still forever grateful to all the bands that um handed their tracks over for my for my thing you know um but they're all bloody legends this all sweethearts every, right. every single person i've got on that um on that soundtrack i absolutely just think are the coolest humans and, and they've all been so supportive and so sweet as, as well you know especially the long yeah. ones who, who supported me from the word go and let me use the, their song as the name of the film you know right um, you and know. So, yeah so i i it's it does feel like uh sounds so cheesy but i do feel like it, we i'm sharing this movie with a lot of people because you know there's so much art yeah. has gone into it from different angles and um yeah, yeah. so it, feel, it feels really but good the, the the extraordinary thing is though, because it, it, it's so many different facets you can we can talk about with this film because you know you wrote it and and you're in it. You you do you, you directed it as well 
Um, yeah. Did you? You did. Um, <laughs> yes, I just getting, did. Just definitely checking you did that. Um, <laughs> you know, because I know you, you did a, a thing on Twitter not so long ago where you were like, um, I wrote the theme tune, sing the theme tune, that kind of thing. I get that. I've done that. I did a fucking film not so long ago, um, just, yeah, just yeah, before yeah. COVID. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and that, that was like a feature though. I really, really went for it. Um, mm. And yeah, I just think, you know, your DIY oh, wow. ethic is so important. Like you, you, you know, and that's what I love about it. I don't know where to start though, like with, with you, because mm. let, let's start with where were you when, when it came to the idea for the film and how long was the writing process? Um, so I, I was, it was, well, I was supposed to be working on a bunch of other projects over the, over the course of the first lockdown that obviously got called off because of COVID. And I, um, when we were only allowed out for one exercise trip a day, I was going for these runs in the park and listening to like mental guitar music. And, and I, I just decided one day to sort of turn off Queens of the Stone Age and put like a kind of noughties, little noughties playlist together of the Long Blondes and the Cribs and Blackfire and all, all these awesome bands. And and I was running around the park and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to fucking write a script that's set in this time. And I'm going to yeah. write about some of my past experiences and some of the people that I used to know and, and you know, it, make it sort of semi, semi close to the bone and see how I get on. And uh, I went home and I started writing it that day um with listening listening to the music in the background constantly and adding things to the playlist and whatnot and i think i finished the first draft within a couple of weeks um at least and i i planned out all the scenes and everything and then i approached i i I realized that i felt really passionate about it so i then approached and i really wanted it to be called giddy stratospheres and i really wanted that that song to be daniel and laura the lead characters sort of lullaby to their story mm. so i went to dorian and kate from the long blondes who i hadn't seen for years and said i'm making a movie i think <laughs> uh can i use your amazing tune this is what it's about blah blah blah, blah. And really went to the cell and and um they were both just on board from the word go and, and they've been amazing since and that was almost i would say a year to the day of when my premiere was a couple of weeks ago so okay. it's been yeah so so it took and then i think i was redrafting and it uh, over and over again i think i think I, I finished it and we started planning filming within a month i'd say okay. pretty God. quick and yeah no that is quick like it's 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 very impressive also when when something's meant to happen like the little bit a little bit of your universe the universe falls in your favor like the guy who's you know essentially sorting out your soundtrack for you for for for, for nothing yeah that those yeah, those so, elements mm. those those elements are so important but what what about the casting mm. because um the, it, it's it's really it, you know you've got a very strong cast there um they Thank they, you. they all they all know their shit. And mm. um, is it Jam- Jamal who plays um, Daniel? Yeah, Jamal. He was just an angel from the beginning. I mean, we the, the biggest challenge for me was um, how do we find Daniel? We need to find this mm. person that embodies so much that so much of what is what is important about the story, and also. My character is a bit of a nightmare, and it's incredibly irritating at times. So you really do need this sort of <laughs> you need this angelic presence of the, her best friend to bounce off it. Otherwise, you've got the most irritating group of people ever without anybody's sort of, you know. Dan, Daniel had to represent this something to me that that he does embody somebody that I used to know very well. So it was really felt yeah. very important. My cat is about about to attack this situation by the way i'm just okay, warning you that's fine um, i've got shit. a dog this next is, to this me this is pa- this is panda um oh. <laughs> yeah Hello. panda likes death panda likes death metal she doesn't like indie rock music do you um of course she, yeah of course she so, loves death metal look you, she looks like she's in a norwegian death metal band doesn't she yeah oh, hey. oh yeah definitely that's rosie oh, she's fast she's, asleep she's pretending to be a snail rosie rosie hey. <laughs> she, she did. She did not want to be woken up. Yeah. Like, um, son of a bitch. So Daniel, 
Daniel was a, a character that we we auditioned for. We sent out audition tapes for, uh, and we got tapes back. And we, we we went through everybody, and we actually, I have to say, we knew we knew Jamal was the guy from the word go because because it was just like his audition tapes were hilarious, but they were also just she was just so likable and so lovely, and he's got that amazing face, you know, beautiful big eyes on camera and yeah, just, like magnetic. <laughs> uh, so we really hope we. He's very pretty, and he's also just got. He's got. I mean, I, I'm maybe I'm biased because I love him so much, but I think he's just got <laughs> such a star quality, you know. Um, I agree. So I think that's did, absolutely then, absolutely right. Yeah. So we then did proper audition auditions in in a room with humans coming in um, and cat ass. Sorry, cat ass <laughs> in the camera. Um, and yeah, <laughs> sorry, mate. This is not going to sound good on your podcast. Yeah, I don't, just it's, fine. Turn, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's like you, um, Just do a Dr. Evil and just straight straight, straight the cat whilst you chat. Yeah, she can't bear it. She can't bear me not giving her attention. Um, yeah. So Jamal, yeah, we, we did some in-room auditions and Jamal walked in and was just incredible. And me and my producer, Beth, uh, we're just over the moon. Like when he left, we were dancing around and celebrating immediately because we'd found our guy, you know. So yeah, yeah. And, and and he was he was a really uh, incredible person um, for you know just to have in, putting input into the film as well because I really wanted uh, him to feel like he created his character with me um, you know because he's he's got sort of so much uh, creativity inside him and he writes himself as well so you know oh, with, okay. his, with with his with his dialogue and with his backstory and everything to do with. What inspired, even though what was on on the paper was on the paper, I really wanted him to feel like he'd brought things in, you know. Yeah. So, so through that process, him and I became so close. Uh, so that relationship yeah. that you see on screen is not, it is acting, obviously, because they're, they're lines, but but it felt very real. Um, so yeah, he's he's a unique guy, and I've I've worked with him, I've helped him, um, I've directed, co-directed a couple of his short films recently too. So we've, okay. we've become become a real family, me and that boy. God, you have, haven't you? Like, yeah. it is rare. It, it is rare. Like an actor gets to have a, a, as that mu that much input in a film. So I'm sure, like, they were all mm. very, very welcoming of that. No. Oh God, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that the, the storyline was the storyline. The script was the script. So that didn't change. But I also gave everybody the chance to improvise as well. So a lot of those scenes, especially in the like sort of druggy sure. after party moments okay. uh, and you know certain bits and pieces with the comedic actors I just said you know just like Richard Herring when he was doing his speech up, up in the uh, in the funeral I was like yeah. you know stick to the script if you want but also you can just go off piece and do your <laughs> thing because the thing is if you want it to be funny you want it to be real and if you want it to be awkward yeah. things like that you've got to trust actors that they know what they're doing as well was you know was, was that bit in the church was there a bit of the it crowd in there with, with matt berry like that whole sort of have you seen i think it's season two where matt berry's in the church and he's like father you know oh my god in. it's hysterical you know I'm, I'm really embarrassed to say this but i haven't seen that and i'm not just oh, saying that it's but absolutely it's, fantastic. Is it, is it brilliant? I mean, I love Matt. I love yeah. Matt, but I, have, I haven't seen that particular episode, Matt, so I can't say. Matt Berry. Yeah. <laughs> he's so good. He's, so good in toast as well. He's he's the shit man. But what what? So obviously, Richard Herring would be a really cool little um, talking point, I suppose, because that for a lot of people, especially in the podcasting world, adore mm. that man. Um, he yeah. has managed to keep his career going uh hmm. i don't know when a lot of people haven't from that era so getting him kind of a little bit of royalty i guess yeah comedic royalty definitely um yeah in, involved was that was that that was a bit of a coup man that was really that's really cool. yeah that was um, really cool because he's one of my heroes um comedic heroes uh i've got many but he is one of them and i when i was thinking of people for the part he was on my number one wish list um nick yeah. helm was was always like had like I wasn't gonna let him slip away for Tim either, um, but I had yeah. worked with Nick before. Um, whereas Richard, I'd never met and had no connect contact with at all. And I right. I I sent him an Instagram 
uh, message and just said, I'm making a movie and I want you to play my dad. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he just was like, oh, can I see the script? And I sent him the script. And obviously it's such a juicy role, I think, for a, for somebody. Right. But but, I, yeah. but without sounding, you know, that sounds quite cocky. But I do think that no, no, no. He's, he's quite a fun character to play, you know, and I think he, he yeah. really liked it. And, and, and I was just over the moon. He was so supportive. And so, and, and again, somebody that really put a lot of input in, you know, when we did our kind of chats about what, what he was going to be like, the character was going to be mm. like, he, he was very adamant that he wanted these particular glasses and he wanted things to look oh, a certain way. Oh, really? Uh, oh, that's interesting. Cause that's quite, war- it's, it's very wardrobey uh, in a kind of British uh, um, accent, uh, eccentric kind of way. Yeah, um, yeah. So he bought though, did he bring them with him or? No, no, no. We we got it all together for him, but it was more just that yeah. I think I think speaking from experience as an actor, having input in your in what you're wearing and how, it, it it helps shape how you move, how you talk, and and you yeah. know if you, if you're a dictator as a creator, like as a director or or whatever, like and you you're you're kind of forcing ideas on people too much, like yeah. I think that it ends up becoming a bit shit. Like so, I yeah. I, I it can do anyway. I think if unless. Mm. It's something very specific that you want, like. But with 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 the Richard, he, you know, I totally trusted that he'd he'd come up with some good ideas. So he, he and I chatted about the character being eccentric, being kind of a wash, washed up showbiz guy. You know, <laughs> right. what 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 would he what would he what would he wear? Like we chatted about it, and he had ideas, and then my costume designer Aaron is my best friend for years. Like we've known each other since back in the day where the film is set. So yeah. he and I are very close, and he just loves that as well so he 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 went and found loads of different glasses options for him and different outfits and stuff and then richard got to choose so <laughs> yeah i love all that though it's all part of the fun talking to people about no. what they're gonna i mean i like talking about clothes at the best of times so <laughs> <laughs> and that, like because the editing process were you obviously you were heavily involved in that did you edit this film well i mean my my editor uh who was also my cinematographer he did the physical editing but i okay. was i was editing it with him in the sense that I mean, we were doing it from different sides he's in essex and i'm in london so i, I would right. make i would make notes and i would make very specific notes about what i wanted and then i would then he would do a cut of a scene and then he'd send it to me and then i'd give him new edit notes and then it'd go back and forth that way so yes i did I edit it but i wasn't in a room with him so so uh, so was that what I mean? Because I can imagine seeing some of the scenes back, like what the experience I've had in editing, and you know, going through that process, mm. the excite, the excitement must have built and built, you know, especially that the the church scenes and what have you. Was, yeah, was that... it was a really overwhelming process for me in the sense that one minute I was being a director, and the next minute I was judging my own performance um, and making sure that things you know there was a lot for me to think about when we were editing and when we were filming as well so what I had is I had a little sounding board with my producer Beth and my assistant director Josh Um, so I I have to give a massive shout out to him because there was no way that I could have directed this movie without without Josh so I had him as my AD the whole film and he basically was my uh, you know, whenever I was film, whenever I was acting, he and I would have talked through what I wanted beforehand and, and what about, and then he he basically did my job for me, and then I'd look at it back and he'd give me advice, and so I I couldn't have done it without him, and we also I also ran all my like if I thought I was happy with something scene wise with Jack my my editor I would then run it past Josh and Beth as well, um, just because I think. Again, I'm not arrogant to the point where I'm like, I know what this is. This is fine. You know, I, I, I like to hear what other people have to say because this is such a it's such a collaborative kind of film with so many people in there and so many different vibes going on that I think it's important. It was important the whole time that I got their opinion as well. So helping you helping you along, man. It's your first film you've ever you know you directed, so that's yeah, first feature I've directed, and you know I think. Uh, it was a big one for me emotionally for, for so many different reasons that I needed my, and then all my, you know, J- Josh and Beth are my best friends. You know, Josh is like a brother to yeah. me and Beth, Beth is really my best mate. And she was producing it and she was also playing Bella and Josh was playing oh. Jas- Jasper. <laughs> okay. All right. So God. Jasper, Jasper, who's the, the guy in the band that gets up and does that speech, you know, that bit. 
um, and and then the, and the and Bella, who's the absolute babe on the door with, with the guest list. That, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's my that's my producer and Josh okay. is Jasper. <laughs> so the whole time uh, was you know I had my best mates involved. So God, it's, it was, it's like a dream. It's like a dream situation. I don't think there are many actors who would ever get that. I mean, I know you've done loads of um, screen work before, prior to this, so you, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. You, you'd know better than me what that experience is like and how it never ever happens. But mm. um, that that would have been that could have that what a safe, loving environment to make a movie in. Oh my God, mate! Honestly, you, you you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head. It's really lovely to hear that you you're picking up on that because. Um, you know, like what we were saying at the beginning of this interview about people not really getting what goes into making a film and judging it face value. Obviously, you can only judge something at face value, but I, I can honestly yeah. say that um, that is like bang on. Like I, and and I said in I, I had a we had a premiere and it was it was at the Rio in Dalston and um, I, I quoted one of my cast members, Kelly, who plays Jade, who's the girl in the toilets that doesn't want to drag her friend out. And she, Drunk. Oh God! Yeah. Kelly just said to me a couple of days ago. Well, a couple of days before the premiere, she just said, "I've never known such a solid crew, like in general, just as our yeah. group." Of, and I've been on a, a million film sets, a million commercial sets, a million music video sets, and like yeah. I, I don't know whether it was just the fact that I, I don't know I was surrounded by mates or whether everyone just really loved each other, but we were all so fucking tight. It was unbelievable. Yeah. There's no bad vibes, you know, like everyone just couldn't believe we were just, anyway, it sounds, I'm going well cheesy again, but it, it's, it's also become like, we really do feel like a family. And I think again, because I felt quite emotional, uh, you know, releasing the film, having everybody's support was just, was so integral to pulling it off. Mm. And they're all still left me, so I feel really, really feel do feel the love. <laughs> good, good. Like I mean, you know, it would have been a little while ago as well, because you know, it's, it's been. Because I remember, um, I listened mm. to um, 22 gram pod, which you were on. Uh, like, yeah, that was the first one I did. I think one of them. Yeah. Anyway. And that was a while back, and that was before the film was really even getting. We was just getting going, really. Yeah. And now, and I didn't realize that, and then, then it's. And then it was out. So mm. I, essentially, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to wait a year for this for some random reason. But it's, it's out. It's great. So I was, I was really happy to go and see uh, it. Um, and um, it, it was such a weird fucking morning because how I came to to meet you or find this film was I was mm. listening six music played uh, whatever happened to my rock and roll by black rebel motorcycle club and i was like i went down what you've probably been what you've been down like a wormhole mm -hmm. of or a hole of of indie music and you start getting yeah, in yeah, yeah. insanely nostalgic and then i was like well i wonder what 22 gram pod's doing and yeah. then you were on it and i was like oh fucking hell and then Mm. or it was i read a guardian that guardian article about the film so it's really cool so i'm sure like i guess what i'm getting to is there's a whole fucking family of us out there man like the people mm. that you know weren't so obliterated and maybe some of them that work and just about remember mm. it that kind of want to tap into that again yeah. um so has that has that been your like right i've got to try and get this in front of people like well say, i like, mean me or again a... like i i think it's inevitable that lots of people are going to make loads of movies about the noughties now and i think that it's probably possible that lots of people will want to make films which are more positive and don't have that dark element that i brought in um yeah. i don't think i want to make any more films about the noughties i think i'm done with it forever to be honest with you <laughs> I'm not, um, but you know like i, I think that it's inevitable that there's going to be somebody making a libertines one and somebody making a whatever like yeah right. and, and you know i'm really happy that if, if, I've, if i've triggered something off like that then great um Sorry, my boyfriend just walked in with a huge bunch of flowers and put them next to me. <laughs> in the middle of doing the, the interview. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, I think it's inevitable that people are going to be doing um, doing more films set in this period, and I think it's great. Uh, I, 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 I'm really glad that I told the story that I did because, you know, it was an important story that I wanted to tell about the darker elements to that scene that were my experience. Um, but I think it'd be great if, if, if there were some that were really positive as well, because there were so many amazing nights, you know, when you'd see, um, you know, bands and it would be, I, I don't think I've ever been as happy 
as I have been in some of those crowds, you know. Oh, God. Um, so, oh, so the dark, I'm sure you feel the same. Oh, mate, with like a Coco. Yeah. I was on a Coco in Mornington Crescent, Camden. And um, I remember it was kind of like the peak when The View had um, Wasted Little DJs out. And yeah, the yeah. D- and a DJ started it. And I was right up the top of Coco. Mm. And anybody who doesn't know this, it's a theatre that has about 80 bloody levels to it. It's, it's relatively small, isn't it? But it's good. It's so high. And mm. the DJ put that song on and it was just like the whole mm. place was, it was a real moment. And I've just remember yeah. being in a total buzz of like goosebumps, totally you numb. You goosebumps to- when you hear those tunes and they just hit you and it's the yeah. best. And, and being in those crowds of people that all feel the same. Um, for me as well, you know, like I said, my film is, it has got a lot of dark elements to it, but my experience at that time wasn't all that, you know, uh, I would, I was so obsessed with going to see bands, um, that that was always the, the most important thing to me was seeing those bands. Um, it was just the after party and the not wanting the fun to end was where the right. darkness came in for me. Um, and sadly, you know, we lost quite a few people back then as well. So it was, it, you know, that, that was the story that I wanted to tell. But I think it'd be great if there's lots of other mo- movies that come out that show different sides to it. And hopefully well, people have bigger budgets and yeah. stuff, you know, let's see what happens. But that wasn't necessarily the story I wanted to tell. Well, it's the it's the anniversary of um, Amy Winehouse's death, isn't it? And, yeah. we, you know, that that was just maybe that was the watermark. Do you know what I mean? Of that whole era of that of when Amy when Amy died, because um, mm-hmm. I man, really, that was, that was a heartbreaker. And yeah, it was. You're, you're talking about um, a music scene. Um, most people are going to think about, you know, head and, you know, obviously the, celebrating the hedonism, but obviously what you've done is kind of the absolute opposite, right? Um, that's, 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 that's quite brave in a way because people do want the rock and roll, Pete Doherty breaking into Carl Barrett's, you know, house or whatever, flat and stealing shit mm. and the, capering nonsense of, of that side of, 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 mm. of it but like you said you know you've lost friends to to, to it um so that must yeah. have been in, in your mind whilst you were writing, well, writing. That, I guess, yeah this that that particular storyline was when i wanted to you know the darker side of the scene that i was a part of i wanted to write about you know and i've got a million different stories in me i could have written a different version you know i could have written a version where everyone went to Coco and and had a great time and and then yeah. went high fived each other and went to bed, but that wouldn't that wouldn't have interested me as much. And also, yeah. I like I like exploring dark areas of my my memories and and it's cathartic for me. And you know, I think yeah. again with the whole music scene is that people think that they own it and uh, and like they do. You know, all of us do. Everybody that was a part of that scene owns it in some way and it, everyone's welcome to write their own movies and do whatever they want. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not competitive at all, but that story was one that I wanted to tell. So well, but I'm look I'm looking forward to seeing what other people do. It'd be great to see what what people come up with. It was just really cool, you know, hearing you speak previously about mm-hmm. you being in uh, in a band and you having your own DJ night and, and getting a club together was it was it Nambuka's or something? Oh, there was a bunch of other pla- there was a bunch of places. So Nambuka was definitely one of those kind of places that we would always end up, and and partly because I lived I lived in the road sort of for a while right at the beginning of when I first started hanging out with a lot of bands and being a part of this London scene. Um, I was only about 18, I was such a baby, um, and I lived a couple of roads down from Nambuka, and that was, you know, I felt so part of the family there, with lots of different mm. bands coming in and out of the city, but also people that, that lived in, lived upstairs. Um, right. And then when I started DJing with my mate Eloise, we started our own club night, and then we started DJing at lots of other venues and playing at different people's club nights and seeing bands that way. Um, and yeah. It, yeah, again, it was the, it was the absolute best because you just see so much amazing live music, it was, uh, right. and we were so sort of young and and, and excitable. So it was just the absolute oh, best. Well, it's again, just so impressionable, right? So impressionable. I mean, we were mad, you know, absolutely 
nobody telling us to go to bed you know and yeah. and like not your experience but for us you know we, we were up for days very often and again another re- that was my story and that was part of what i wanted to bring into di- to, into giddy stratospheres you know well um, uh, mate i think you and i would have sorry to, to be rude how old are you like 30 Four, I'm 35. I'm 36. Oh wow, that was such yeah. a close get. Damn it! I wish I'd got that. <laughs> I, I just like clair, clairvoyant. Um, because I'm mm. I'm 39. So you've you I've got a few years on 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 you. I think my experience is definitely earlier of like um the the ravages of Limp Biscuit and new metal, and then into the early 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 White Stripes and and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, um, they, were, they were trying to but, clutch at straws, weren't they? The people were trying. Yeah. To- build scenes out of nothing yeah but it, it was it was pretty it was pretty mental because what i what i loved was um how yes my experiences of that era that you you've depicted really well in this film they weren't like that but mm. i knew exactly who you were writing about and yeah. that is that is so cool and i think every anybody from that era is going to experience that they're going to be like yeah mm. that that does that that, that yeah it, it has that grottiness to it um mm. even 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 the tr- the train um that oh, you have, yeah, the, tra- that... the train scenes you you yeah. know the, 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 did you did you because there's a scene in it where you're with um the cat you know uh, daniel, uh, yeah. lara and daniel are, are chatting um how, how do you go about getting a train carriage from 2007 or whatever oh that's bloody funny funny day that was bloody hell um so we couldn't find a train i mean because again we're a pandemic world and yeah. we're on a tiny budget so you can't film on a train and if you try and film on a train you can like on the on the sly then you're gonna have loads of people wearing masks <laughs> yeah so, yeah, so we, yeah. We, cro- we crossed every single like you know uh option off the list because we were like we can't do that we can't do that we can't do that and um uh, somebody suggested a filmmaker that i heard had worked with once said well there's a guy that has like a train museum in Northampton and it's just a random train that just sits there and it's really odd and it's, it's probably suited more for a horror film because it's basically abandoned and my my um I know um and uh the thing is because I like things to look a little bit odd anyway I was like yeah. oh fuck it let's just do it there I don't care if it doesn't look like a train you know what I mean and um yeah. and, you know I just thought you know because 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 those scenes are kind of dreamlike anyway I just thought you know it could yeah. it doesn't have to be exactly like a, it a, worked though man it really worked I didn't think okay yeah I knew obviously this is gonna uh, there's no way that you fucking hired yeah. a goddamn train and driven it down the fucking train tracks and it cost you like 90 grand or something but it looked no, really good that I... jack that was jack so jack my my cinematographer he's all he also edited the film and he basically made the most incredible very subtle um vfx uh for outside so it looks kind of like the train's moving uh and oh, i wanted right. it i want i wanted it not to look distracting because obviously that those mm. scenes are so all about daniel and Jim, Dan, daniel and lara chatting and what they're talking yeah. about and about her being in denial and not wanting to kind of connect, yeah. like not wanting to connect to what was going on. So I didn't want there to be like lots of people walking around and, the, and to see lots of trees going by in the background and stuff. So he made it look really, yeah. I, I'm really proud of that, those scenes because it's supposed to feel like you're just, it's just them, you know, and it's yeah. just those two. And so what he did was just incredible. I mean, this kid, honestly, my, my DOP, Jack, is, he's only, 20 um, 23 i want to say 24 it's a baby yeah. man like and he's just yeah. he's the most talented egg little egg like I, i'm well, so happy to I've, have him in life i've got a movie sat in my desk drawer uh on like mm-hmm. a massive filey hard drive type thing that was meant mm-hmm. to be edited by my fellow filmmaker but he was a, a lazy very lazy strange guy who just throughout the whole of the fucking pandemic um with all that time on his hands He's got no kids. Uh, mm. His wife's constantly saying, "Do stuff, do stuff, do stuff." Didn't edit mm. it. Did do fuck all with it. So I'm. It's basically sat there. I'll give it to your mate, and and he can just and edit it for me. Um, oh my god, he would love. He would love that. You should do because he's he's the man for the job. He's he's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm using him for everything at the moment like with the music videos, with all my next pitches yeah. for TV stuff, and he's he's going to be my my um 
DOP and editor for everything. I'm just think he's so talented. So yeah. But one, qu one, one question I did want to ask you before our time's up. I was, um, one, one thing that definitely made an impression on me about, about you was the fact that you, you, you obviously, I think it's come across but um, that you've done it, which is totally amazing. But what an actor once told me who was very long in the tooth, he was like, darling, if you're a writer, you've got more power. If you can act and you can write, I mean, you've got all the power. Um, and I, that just st stuck in my brain for about 10 years. And then mm -hmm. I started writing. What for you, because you, more than I and a lot of people who are in this job, in this business, you, you was it right? I'm going to fucking write this because am I ever going to get a lead role? This is what I can do. I want to show, I want to showcase what I've got what I'm what what I have available as an as an mm. actor was it kind of like really incentivizing yourself because it's like you have to make shit happen for yourself because you know uh, it's, it's I, I think it's really cool when actors write their own material for their the purpose of being an actor I think that's really really cool I don't think that's what I did here because I don't I don't even know if I really want to I do want to act. I love acting. Like I owe a lot of what I've, everything to, to the fact that I, that's what my career has been for the last ten years. But Laura, I also, you're a really good actor, mate. Oh, really, you really are. Mate. Oh god, you're the Particularly best. with um, all the fucking directing you had to, you know, you, uh, you took yeah, well, a lot it, on. No, well, thanks. Yeah, I, I mean, it was exhausting, and and like I don't know if if I'm an amazing actor or, or a good actor or not, and I'm sure lots of people would, would think both both ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you, uh, but I, I, I think with this, I, it was more that I wanted to write about, I wanted to write that story and I, and I could only write it from my point of view of, you know, like roughly a character that was based on me. And so I, what I realized while making Giddy Stratospheres is how much I like making things. And yeah. I think playing Lara was easy because I was playing myself 10 years ago. The hardest thing yeah. was making, making me look anywhere near 25 is tough. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but yeah, like I, I don't think I'm going to do that again. In all honesty, I might make I might I might do a little cameo here or there. But um, if people offer me really cool film roles, that's great. Uh, but I I don't know if I I don't know if I wrote it for the purpose of of being the star at all. Yeah. I think because what was really weird and an ongoing joke that I've been saying to the people closest to me is that when <laughs> when we were finishing the film and when we were getting ready to distribute it and getting all the work together, I kept forgetting I was in it. Oh, I, I imagine that. I can totally, totally like, imagine and, that. And I'm not just yeah. saying it. I was just like, oh my no, God, no, no. people like in interviews were just talking about Lara and I was like, oh my God, I keep forgetting that, that the film, not, I, I keep talking from the, the point of view of, as a director and a writer and forgetting that I'm in the film. And like, I, I think... I feel almost like, uh, yeah, I wasn't getting roles. To be absolutely honest, I wasn't getting the roles that I wanted to do uh, as an actor. N nature um, of the business, man, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. But then it's like it's first world problems, isn't it? It's like, you know, you're lucky Oh, no, no, come on. It's so relevant. There has to come a time when people just go, fuck that first world problem shit because it's your yeah. life, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I've stopped, I stopped saying that year, like a little while ago because if, if you start going out first world problems and it's like it's just mm -hmm. basically neglecting the fact that you are, like, struggling with something. Yeah, that's true. I think I, think I was... Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, of course, I, I loved playing Lara because I, I could, it was it, not easy, but it was like juicy because I was, I yeah. was, it was cathartic. And also it was a scene where I, I felt like I hadn't, hadn't, anyone really had an opportunity to play a character like that from that era. So obviously it was great. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm really proud that I, I stepped up and I did it because I didn't, I, there was a period of time when I was actually thinking of casting someone as Lara and not doing that because I thought yeah. that, that be someone younger and um and then i just thought i can't not do this it was almost overwhelming <laughs> um but but for the next projects you know I, I even just doing a couple of music videos recently i just realized how much i love being behind the camera as well so um yeah. let's see let's see how i feel at the moment i feel absolutely exhausted from 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 the whole process so it might take me a right. month or so and then i'll suddenly be writing myself another role let's see what happens but i think looking for looking forward i actually just really like directing and i really like writing so um if people want to offer me cool film roles and i want to do it then great <laughs> I, I don't i don't i don't think that's really what i did this for i think i, I you know i'd much rather be be behind the camera if, if i'm honest
Okay, that's that's pretty. That's pretty. Yeah, I. I is it a shame? Interesting. <laughs> no, 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 not a shame. Yeah. It's just that's that's very honest, mate. That's very honest. Um, appraisal yeah, that's how I feel at I, the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, yeah. I, again, to go back to myself, but I, I feel like I said that this might happen. Like we might mm. end up. I might share a lot of what I do or have done rather. But and, yeah. I, and I think that I was recently in a in in a film, blah blah blah, and I was directing, well, writing, directing, whatever. And yeah, and whenever it came to talking about it, I I, can, I fucking forgot that I was in it. Like that's just. And when you said yeah. that, I was like, oh yeah, I because totally, you're so obsessed with the, watching the characters and write, you know, writing mm. and seeing your work mm. translate onto camera. It's like you just, mm. I don't know. It's such an. In, and the other thing is, it's it is. I mean, God, this is such a, a worn phrase, but they become your babies, right? They be it becomes so much a part God, of this yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, it, it has done. Um, and actually, I think it can become quite dangerous if you think that too much because it becomes too important. And then, of course, if anything goes wrong or things get stressful or, or somebody isn't into it or all the different things that can come along with with releasing a piece of art, you know, yeah. um, is is that if you if you believe that it's too important, then then you can get quite it can can have an effect on your mental health. So I think mm. what I've been really working on recently is 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 although Goody Strasfers is one hundred percent my baby, and and there's so many elements to the storyline which are quite close to me. So it's it's I've had to keep reminding myself that it is actually a film, <laughs> not a baby, and that um right. you know I'm releasing a movie here, and then it's gone to that. I've got to think about the next thing after that. You know, I mean, we've yeah. got so much work. It's been released in the US and, and worldwide in September. So I I, I do it is Giddy Strasserspiel's can't even say the bloody name of the film anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is Giddy Stratosphere's day every day in my life. Yeah. But then I'm also thinking about, okay, well, what's next? What, what am I filming next? And, you know, trying to, trying to not put too much onus on it. And I think uh, it's really hard, because, yeah. but I, I have to have to do that because if, if I put too much on it, you know, I think I might have a breakdown and, no, and I don't know if I want I don't know if I want You that, don't want that. Honest. You don't want a breakdown. I mean, you know, if, if no. who, who wants no, a ruddy, no. bloody breakdown? I'm bouncing. I've bounced back, Lynn. Um, <laughs> I, before, hmm. like, this is generally right. We're going to go now, but soonish, but soon, soon. Um, but it would be remiss of me not to highlight the fact that, um, you know, female writers are having um, a great surge. Yeah. And, and Phoebe Waller-Bridger, blah, blah, blah. I always get confused whether it's Phoebe, Phoebe Waller Bridge because of the 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 music artist Phoebe Bridger and like I just oh, I, right. I, I get always get so confused I'm easily confused um, and <laughs> it's cool you're part of you know you're part of that that sisterhood do you know what I mean that fraternity it's really it's really yeah um, it's, it's cool. great it's great because um I I I really do like I mean my all my biggest influences were originally male directors and writers and actors because because well, there's fuck all else out there right well there, yeah and i'm really into old older cinema so so the thing is, is Ooh, that, like like what sorry sorry oh god i mean like i love lots of 70s stuff like weird dark stuff uh yeah. like R rosemary's baby and don't look now <laughs> like Kubrick <laughs> stuff and like oh, and I love, and david david lynch is 100 yeah. percent my hero and then i also Sweet. love chris Christopher Guest stuff and with Nell and I and like all that kind of stuff. So Dude, it's always chatted been... with Christopher Guest. So you should listen oh, to that episode. Oh, I will. He's he, oh my god, I love him so much. Yeah. How did you get him? Not even Mark Marin can get him. Yeah, well, you know, Mark Marin, Mark Marin, Mark Schmarin. No, I love. Mark Marin. <laughs> I'm going to um, listen to that tonight. But yeah, yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a hero. So, so, so what, what I'm saying is that you know recently i've been connecting with so many incredible female writers and, and directors and creators uh and i met so many making giddy stratospheres it was unbelievable i mean so many of my cast members are also writers and and um and performers but they're all there's so many sort of multifaceted cool people and and so i'm proud to be part of the gal gal writing yeah. land yeah it's, bring it it's on. so exciting mate it is so exciting um but um, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to call it quits now. Um, but all right, dude. Um, well, thanks, I, I, thanks for chatting. I, honestly, you've really cheered me up. I've been having a stressful day, and you've just put oh, a little light at the end of it. So thank you. Great. It's been lovely. I'm sorry. 
sorry it's been a stressful day for you um no it's not even negative necessarily it's just it's like um just uh yeah it's just been nice to to finish today chatting to you and and having a good old chin wag so thanks for inviting me on if i just genuinely like i'm chatting with peter hayes this front guy from um black river motorcycle club next week right Mm. and he is someone who, I, I, exactly like you, I just basically just almost don't want this to be a podcast just so I can go, but listen to me and my band. Listen to me and my experiences. No. Wait, where's the pub, basically? Do you know what I mean? If you weren't, mm. if I wasn't living in fucking Norfolk now, I'd mm. be like, can we can we just do this in a, in a pub so I can get shit face and just talk yeah. at you about being in a band? Well, we'll do that though, hey? You've got kids yeah. and, and dogs to look after and I've got a bunch of flowers and a cat. But, you know, if you <laughs> when you're in London next, let me know and we'll go for a drink and we'll talk about music and stuff. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, just Supergrass mm. and the Cribs are playing at uh, Crystal Palace, mate. Don't um, I know it, mate? I'm going to be there. So oh, I'm going. Me a message. Great. I'll, I'll meet you there. That's great. Well, there you go. We've got a date now. See Sweet. you then. <laughs> Don't bring the cat, okay? Don't bring the cat. No, she likes death metal. I told you. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, mate. Thank you so much, Laura. Cheers, dude. Cheers. Bye. on the road.